one last, or at least one of the last, uh, personal invitation to all the men in the room to the men's retreat uh, coming up in two weekends, which is almost here. So don't procrastinate. If you know you're going and you haven't registered, please register. Uh, if you didn't know you were going, you are. So register. Um, it's happening September 8th through 10th uh, at Horton Haven, which is pretty close. Uh, it's a Friday evening, so you can work Friday. You don't have to take off work. Come Friday evening, hang out with us through Sunday morning. Um, and so come, please. You don't, I know you've heard this announcement many times, and you've probably thought about it or considered it, and then were met with many reasons why you don't want to. It's uncomfortable, you're too busy that weekend, the stuff can wait, the projects around the house can put, be pushed back, uh, so come, please, it's going to be a great weekend, we have a lot of men already coming, um, so come join in, don't miss out on a powerful weekend, away with the men, it's going to be powerful, it's going to be great, and just a time to connect together, um, so men's weekend coming up, don't miss out, it's going to be awesome. Um, that's all the announcements. So, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out. And we're going to be today in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There will be a few other verses we look at, but mainly, predominantly, we will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. As we continue on our Hearing God series. So this is week four. Uh, so... A few more weeks left in this series. It's been really neat to get to talk about this. Uh, we all have agreed that we need to hear God. Every day, every minute, every hour, we need the voice of the Lord to speak to us. But if you're anything like me, I kind of have come with some misconceptions on what it means to hear from God. I remember thinking hearing from God is just the audible voice. And if I can't hear the audible voice like the select few then I'm just kind of not going to hear. That's not true. There are so many different ways that you hear from God. And that's what this series is all about. And so, so far, we have talked about how God can speak to your spirit within and how God speaks to your inner voice, your spirit. But did you know that God's voice is not just an internal dialogue? It can be heard externally. And a primary external way you can hear God speak is through relationships. So take a look around the room. Relationships. And today's message is going to zone in on how God speaks through relationships within the church body. So God speaks through relationships within the people in this room. This room of people, God can actually speak through us. And so just in case you didn't know, this room is filled with the people that make up Christian Life Church. You have to get this right. This building is not Christian Life Church. 745 Case and Lane is not Christian Life Church. This is the building where Christian Life Church meets. So if, if there's nobody here on this campus, this is not Christian life. This is just a building. This is just a property. But the moment we gather together, Christian Life Church is here. So we, the people, make up Christian Life Church. And we are young, old, teenagers, non-teenagers. We have men and women. We have single people. We have married people, we have kids, many of them are in the back room, some are in this room, we have pastoral leadership, our lead pastor is Pastor Ron, and we have a pastoral leadership, a staff that the Lord has chosen to lead us, the congregation, but all of us play a function, a part, you weren't meant just to sit in the chair and just kind of do nothing, you have a function, a part, it's week after week we're trying to get you to see that. That you play a role, but we make up Christian Life Church. This building isn't the church. We are the church. And did you know that God actually speaks and can speak week after week through one another? 
that there's conversations you've had even in the past of being here that you didn't even know that was the Lord speaking through someone. And that's what today's message is all about. So I want to zone in at first earlier in the week, actually on Thursday. On Thursday, when I was writing this message, it was a w- one message with two part, two points. And after I was about seven or eight pages in, I hadn't even got to point two yet. I was like, okay, maybe this needs to be two messages with one point. So next week will be part two, but this is part one. And so I pray today the Holy Spirit would speak through me to equip you in the area of God speaking through the church body. And we dream of seeing this happen more. Because there's nothing like belonging to a local church. Again, no offense to the ones maybe online or not plugged in, but there is nothing like being plugged in, in person, connected with actual believers, gathering together week after week. And so I want to zone in on the first aspect. So the real heart of today is that God not only just speaks, but he speaks prophetically through relationships. So God speaks prophetically through relationships. So Pastor Ron, last week, he defined prophecy for us, and he said, prophecy simply means to hear God and repeat what you have heard to the right people at the right time. So simply, you hear from God, and you share it. That's operating in the prophetic. And so some of what I say today might be similar to last week's message And some will be new, but if it sounds redundant at times, that's on purpose because we really want our church to get this. Again, countless conversations where the staff or you hear from Pastor Ron, just a dream of a church congregation that operates prophetically with one another. More and more and more do we dream of seeing this happen. But we have to have a correct understanding of what operating prophetically really means. Because let's be honest, there's the honest truth of the day. We all have wacky stories. At least most of us do. Like Pastor Ron mentioned last week, I remember the lady who somehow busted up onto the stage before we had this stage. It was much easier to get on the stage. And she had a prophetic word that we should all spell out our names using our bodies to one another and dance to the letters of our names. And what was hilarious is watching many of you actually do it (laughs) during the greeting time. I know I did. (laughs) It's like, hey, I'm Landon, L, A. But many of you did it, and it wasn't a prophetic word. We all know that. But we've seen some wacky stuff. I've seen a lot of people try to operate in the prophetic, and it just goes sideways. Prophecy in all shapes and sizes sometimes can be a little out there. I mean, it just seems like every time we hear a prophetic message about the return of Christ or the end of the world, it's wrong. In 1988, the prophetic book, I've said this before, the prophetic book of 88 reasons why Jesus Jesus is coming back in 1988. Missed it. He missed it. And why anyone bought the, the next book 89 reasons while he's coming back in 89 it's real I'm not not making this up there's a prophecy running around that Jesus was coming back on April 14th of this year missed it wrong someone once told me that they felt the Lord tell them to tell me and a group of friends that it was a prophetic word that we should open up the scripture And breathe in the words off the pages. And that's how we'll get true revelation. So just lean in and breathe it in. Wacky stuff. Crazy stuff. I'm sure you have lots of stories. But here's why I say all of them. It's because a lot of times these crazy, wacky stories cause people to just kind of take prophecy and the rest of the supernatural gifts and just put it on the shelf and walk away like huh 
I don't want to be one of those crazy people, wacky people are going to judge me, think I'm crazy. Is that even real anyways? My heart for today and Pastor Ron's heart last week is that we shouldn't let the wacky ones rob us of the beauty and the power of prophecy. And if we try and we try to box God in into mere academic learning and knowledge and reason and logic, then we're completely missing out on this whole (laughs) bigger side of God that actually supersedes the mind. He actually steps out of the natural and steps into supernatural. That's what makes him God. You can't box him in. You can't fully learn him. He supersedes the mind. That's what makes the nerd in me excited because I know no matter how much I study, all I'm doing is like this stage. I'm just zoning in on one little part. When I zoom out and see, oh my gosh, there's so much more. That's, that's God. You can't box him in. And so there's this supernatural side of him that blows all of the intellect's mind. But what you do is you have this temptation. We all have seen it. We, we say, no, that doesn't make sense. Those miracles, those gifts, healing, the prophetic tongues, that doesn't make sense. So if it doesn't make sense to me, it must not actually be real. No, it is real because God is beyond our mind. And that is why even though we've had the wacky ones kind of mess it up a little bit, we shouldn't shy away from being a church that operates in biblical prophecy. And that's our heart. I'm getting fired up. Let me calm down a little bit. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So the church of Corinth was a spiritually gifted church like super spiritually gifted church, but equally full of sin and disorder. And so they were known as the highly gifted and crazy church. You had a guy in the church sleeping with his stepmom. You had people living open lives of sin. But then at the same time, you had just corporate gatherings just going crazy and there's no order And non-believers were being turned away and leaving, thinking they're nuts because there was no order. It was mass chaos. You might have been to a church that may have looked like a church of Corinth gathering. Mass chaos. People shouting in tongues, running around, not a whole lot of order. This was what the Corinthian church looked like. And so Paul addresses the issue which is what chapter 14 speaks towards. And so let's read the chapter of the day, at least part of it. So starting with verse one, Paul says, pursue love. Pause there. He just finished writing chapter 13, which everybody knows. Chapter 13, if you've been to a wedding, odds are you've heard chapter 13. It's the love chapter. But we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. But the whole reason Paul sandwiched chapter 13 in between 12 and 14 was to show you that there's no spiritual gifts without love, like without operating in love. And so he's saying again, pursue love. Let that be your, your, where everything comes from. And as you operate in the gifts, it should come from love, which is why he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. Verse two, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So pause here. This is not a message on tongues, but here is where you see the aspect of the gift of tongues. There's multiple expressions of the gift of tongues. This specific part is an expression of the gift of tongues where there's a gift given by God to a believer that is strictly a heavenly language. It's unlike the other aspect of the gift, like you maybe saw in Acts, where there was a, a speaking of tongues, an unknown language to the person, but known to the outsiders where they heard their language. That's, that's one expression, but this, is, this expression, according to the verses, it's not to men, 
It's to God. It's a heavenly language. And so what Paul is saying is that you're operating in this heavenly language. And this tongue is not to men, but to God. And Paul is addressing, he's again, he's talking about corporate gatherings like we are in right now. And he's saying, if you, if you just rattle off in your heavenly language out loud in a corporate gathering, that's really cool for you, but nobody else understands. Verse three, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Come back to that verse. Verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue, heavenly, spirit to spirit, language, God, man to God, language, the one who speaks in that tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. So you see there, Paul say, I want you all to do this. I desire for this to be present in all of your life. This isn't something he's speaking against. But even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless, so there's the caveat, unless someone interprets. So you rattle off a tongue for the church if it's really from the Lord to outwardly release the tongue in a corporate gathering, if it's from God, God will supply the interpretation. If it's from him, he's going to provide both and he wants to edify the corporate body. But what Paul is saying is, unless there's an interpretation, don't just that's, keep that between you and the Lord. Keep that for private devotion. So the point here, so far what we see as Paul is really emphasizing the importance of building one another up in our corporate gatherings. This might be different than what you grew up in, what you have seen, and that's okay. But according to the word, Paul is really laying some parameters on corporate gathering. And please hear this. Coming to church, you have to really hear me carefully here. Coming to church is not solely, only a place where you come to have private devotion with God. Where it's just about you and God. That's a different context. That's at home. That's in your prayer closet. That's in the car. Wherever you have your personal devotion with God, that place, it is only about you and God. That's it. You can do whatever you want. You can sing at the top of your lungs which for some of you, yes, please keep that for that context. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but you can, you know, release a heavenly prayer language in that context that there's nobody else to worry about. It's just you and God edify your spirit. In that context, it's appropriate. And it's highly important. And I would say a temptation in a lot of people is because they neglect private devotion time with the Lord in the week, when they do come to church, it's their only opportunity, which is why it's very easy to fall into church is about me. Church is about filling my tank because you've neglected it all throughout your week. I don't say that to shame you. I just say that to press in, have private one-on-one -on -one time with you and the Lord every day. But when you come here, it's different. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But by the way, you're, when the Bible says when you pray in that heavenly language, he drills on how your spirit needs edification. And again, that's true. When you're in this one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord, your spirit needs to be edified. A lot of people, they think that their mind needs to be edified. I need to get into the word. And I need to grow in knowledge. I need to read a textbook. I need to listen to a teaching. I can fall into this category where I'm edifying my mind, thinking I'm edifying my spirit. Really all I'm doing is I'm growing in knowledge and I'm just trying to get smarter. There's a difference in edifying the mind and edifying the spirit. Edifying the spirit is pressing into prayer, pressing into worship. Yes, digging into the word, but really asking the Lord to speak to your spirit and not just grow an academic. There's a spirit edification, and yes, praying in that heavenly language. If you have that, praying in that heavenly language, your mind is up here going, 
this is not real, this is weird, but your spirit's being edified. There's a difference in the mind and the spirit. But what Paul is saying is that when you come to the church gathering, there's a different way it should look. When it comes to the gathering with other believers, it's in this place where we come, please hear this, number one, primarily to worship God, to minister to God, to worship his name. I don't come here primarily to what do you have for me today, God? It's Lord, how can I bless you? How can I sing? You're the same God. Praise. We just sang all these songs. I'm worshiping God, when I gather with the family, my primary thing is to worship him. That's it. I don't care if he blesses me or does anything to me. I just want to bless him. But number two, the secondary reason when we gather corporately, please hear this, it's to encourage one another. It's to spur one another on. Which is why Paul here is emphasizing prophecy. Because he understands that a tongue prayer language is going to edify an individual. But when we gather together corporately, Paul is really after corporate edification. So when you, when you function in prophecy, which we're going to really dig into what that looks like. But just know prophecy really edifies more than just you. It edifies the person you're talking to or the church as a whole or the men or the woman or the young people or whoever. Prophecy edifies and builds up the church beyond just yourself, which is why he's placing such a high value. So according to the word of God, prophecy should be a frequent and regular thing that happens in our church gathering. Small groups, worship nights, Sunday mornings, men's events. Men's weekend, retreat, beloved night, all these contexts. When we gather, prophecy, according to the word, should be a regular thing. So what is prophecy? To hear God and repeat what you've heard to the right people at the right time. It could be a prophetic word for the church as a whole, for a married couple, for an individual person. A word for a specific demographic, a word to men, a word to women, a word to young people. But multiple people are edified in the process. And so with that kind of just being said, I want to just lay some foundational truth about what prophecy is. And again, to be clear, what I'm not saying is that when you show up to church, you shouldn't be blessed or receive at all. That's not what I'm saying. Because what I am saying is if everybody's mentality is the same, worship God, encourage my brothers and sisters. If that's your mentality, then if that's your neighbor's mentality, then you're encouraging them. And then guess who's encouraging you? They are. So of course you are receiving, you are being blessed in the process, but that's not your end all be all goal. Lord, how can I be blessed today like that's you know that's going to happen but that's not your like your bullseye your bullseye is Lord how can I minister to you you don't have to do anything you don't have to heal you don't have to speak Lord you're worthy enough you're holy enough if all we do is come and just sing praises to your name and you don't do anything that's fine because you're worthy yeah <laughs> So here's some foundational truth. According to the New Testament, how believers should operate in prophecy. Again, understanding that Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy are different. Pastor Ron hit on that last week. If you missed it, go back and listen. New Testament prophecy is different. So here's some foundation to know. So verse 3 in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So first foundational truth is that prophecy should always be upbuilding, encouraging, and comforting. In the original language of the Bible, the word upbuilding 
is a Greek word that, that was an architectural word. And, and it meant little by little building something, forming, formation, growing, piece by piece. And so when, the, when, the, when prophecy should be upbuilding, it should be something that encourages the person towards growth, to piece by piece grow them into the image of Christ, to spur them towards Jesus. So upbuilding. But then the word there, the second one for encouragement, it's the word paraclesis. And fun fact about that word is that paraclesis is associated with the Greek word parakletos, which is the word for Holy Spirit. And so you can never be more like the Holy Spirit than when you are encouraging someone. So when you're operating in the prophetic and you're encouraging, you know that that's the Spirit working through you. Because if the Spirit, by name and nature, the Holy Spirit's name, parakletos, means comforter, and so if you're operating in the Spirit, then guess what you're going to be like? You're going to be like the Spirit. And guess what the Spirit's like? He's comforting. So upbuilding, encouragement, and then, of course, the last word, comforting or consolation. It means to comfort, but mainly attribute it to give hope. That's what New Testament prophecy should be about, to build up people in love, encourage, and comfort them. So that's number one. Number two. A second foundational truth is that prophecy should always be rooted in love. We just talked about this. There's a reason 12 and 14 are all about spiritual gifts, but 13 of 1 Corinthians is all about love. And so a book we've been recommending, this one, many of you are reading it, Hearing God. Nathan Finocchio in his book, he says this about love. He says that prophecy to one another is a Holy Spirit urge within us to spread the love of God in our hearts to others. That is why everyone should desire to prophesy as Paul begged. It unites us to God's people through God's spirit of love. So operating in the prophetic gift rooted in love, guess what it does? It pulls us together. It unites us in a culture of such division disunity, petty, your side, my side, I'm on this team, you're on that team, you vote that way, I vote that way, I think this way, you think this way, I prefer this, you prefer that, in a culture that is so divided, guess what pro prophecy does? Pulls us together. It unifies us. So as we're operating in love, prophesying over one another, we actually counter culture and we unify we come on the same page. We lay our preferences aside and we unite in Christ. A third foundational truth is that prophecy should always operate in an orderly and biblical way. So, if you have a prophetic word for the congregation as a whole on a Sunday gathering or a worship night, if you're worshiping and you just really feel like the Lord's speaking to you, man, I need to say this. I need to release this before the church as a whole. There is a correct order to go about that. A lot of times in the past, maybe our wacky stories include someone not taking the correct order. They'll just start shouting. Like Pastor Ron said, why does it always, thus saith the Lord. It's like, you don't talk that way. Why are you, why are you talking like that? If there's a correct order, and that order is to submit it to church leadership. Submit it to a pastor, like Pastor Ron. And then the role of that pastor is to discern if this prophetic word, number one, lines up with Scripture. Dance to the letter of your name. I don't know. Maybe. Could be. I don't know. But they'll discern whether or not this lines up with Scripture. But then number two, they'll discern, is this to be shared right now? Or do I need to pray into this, press into this? And then share it at another time. And so that's the role of the pastor, the leader, the leaders of the church to discern the prophetic word. So if you have a prophetic word, don't shy away. Share it. Because what if your prophetic word actually leads to somebody really hearing God? A right now word for the right people could come from you. And all it was is you submitting it to the pastor. 
and then they release it to the congregation or they invite you to release it. So that's the corporate setting. And please don't be offended if the response to a potential prophetic word is, I don't think that that should be shared right now. I need to press into that. I think that's wisdom. I might be biased as a, as a part of the pastoral team, but I think it's wise when someone releases a prophetic word to Pastor Ron or something and he says, I think we need to wait on that. I think that's wise. Press into that. So don't be offended. Oh my gosh, they don't, they're not going to share my word. If it's of the Lord, it's going to be shared. Can't box God in. And, and, and so yes, don't be offended by that. However, that's the corporate context. If you have a prophetic word for somebody else in this room, you look over and worship and the Holy Spirit kind of moves your heart, go share it. Go share it. If you're questioning and you're wrestling with, is this really for right now? Then, then share that with the spiritual leader, your C group leader, your journey coach, a pastor on staff, somebody. Share it. If you need some outside counsel to speak into that, make sure it's wise counsel. But get some, but if, but if you know this is the Lord speaking to you and you have a word, go share it. Go share it. Obviously, not like in the middle of worship, you just like go and disrupt. I have a word for you. Like save it for after. Save it for after church. Go grab coffee. Hey, the other day at church, man, I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me. But when you do that, there is a way that you should share. And that's what the next fourth foundational truth is, is that humility is required when delivering and receiving a prophetic word. So again, you may still be asking every point, what is a prophetic word? We're going to talk about that. But you have to know that humility is required when delivering and receiving so please hear me. I've already said it, but God can use you to speak to somebody else. God can use somebody else to speak to you. And it's their voice, but God's heart. It's like you hear their words, but it's God speaking through you or through someone else to you. That can happen. But we also have to admit that sometimes we miss it. We miss it sometimes. Sometimes we get it wrong, and that's okay. Praise the Lord that the Old Testament standards are not New Testament standards. Old Testament standards, if you were a prophet, you were like, in fact, like the words of the prophets are scripture. We read it. It's in the Bible. Our words are not scripture. Their words were considered, they had such a high standard to hear from God. If they missed it, they were stoned to death. Murdered, killed. And oftentimes, even when they spoke from the Lord, people still wanted to kill them. So that's how you knew that they weren't just making stuff up because they knew I'm going to release this from God, but people are probably going to want to kill me. But I have to release it because this is from God. People hated the prophets. That's Old Testament standards. Praise the Lord that if you miss it, we don't oh, line them up, get your rocks, stone them. That's not the standard anymore. If you miss it, it's okay. That's why humility is needed. We have to be humble in missing it. And on the other side, you have to be humble in the receiving it. Because if somebody comes to you and they deliver a prophetic word to you and they missed it, you can't be mad at them. They had a genuine heart most of the time. They thought they were hearing from the Lord and they missed it. Be humble. They missed it. Next time. Encourage them, man, keep pressing into the Lord. Thank you for being bold enough to sharing that with me. You missed it. That's okay. Keep pressing in. Humility. You can't be offended when you're operating in humility. You can't get a big head about yourself when you're being humble. You just can't. That's an oxymoron. Yes, I'll stop there. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.20-21, through 21, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So he's saying, don't despise it. Again, don't put prophecy on the shelf and let it get dusty and just reject it. Don't despise it, but test everything. 
Don't, don't reject it, but don't just accept it. If somebody says, I have a prophetic word from you, you can't just fully 100% assume this is God. They might miss it. So test everything. Measure it to Scripture. If something contradicts Scripture, it's not from God. It's not. Get some insight from spiritual leadership. Hey, someone shared a prophetic word from me. I want to share it with you. What are your thoughts on this? That's definitely the Lord. Or uh, continue to pray about it. Pray about it. The Holy Spirit's going to let you know and give you discernment on if this is from him. And even if it's not something for then, I've seen prophetic words come to fulfillment years after they were given. So it may not be for then, but it might be for later. But, but you have to test it. And so here's a practical thing. If you take anything from the message, please take this. A practical thing I encourage for this congregation, number one, please do this. If the Lord prompts you and leads you by the Spirit to share a word with a person or with a couple or with a group, if the Lord leads you to give a prophetic word to the church as a whole, do it. <laughs> Obey. But... Don't come up and say, thus saith the Lord, brother. But here's the language that I use, and this is the language I, I would encourage you pastorally to use. It's to use a language of, hey, I feel like the Lord is speaking something to me to share with you. But pray about this. Test this. Get some wisdom, some wise counsel on this. Or, hey, I might be off here. But man, I really feel like the Lord is speaking fill in the blank. Because in that language, there's humility. Hey, I might be missing it, but I really feel like the Lord's speaking to me. There's humility there. It's not the Lord told me, and if you don't do this, then he's going to strike you dead. That's not it's humility. Hey, I might be off here, but it's humility. There's humility in that language. And we should be humble to give it and humble to receive it. And if the giver and the receiver are humble, man, oftentimes I would probably say it is the Lord and he'll move in a mighty way. So with those foundations laid, that's the foundation of New Testament prophecy. What we do know also about prophecy is that prophecy, like tongues even, has many different expressions and so here are four or a few expressions on how prophecy works so number one the first way prophecy can be expressed is through the teaching of scripture it's what I'm doing right now you may have never categorized bible teaching with the prophetic but it absolutely is and many Bible scholars believe a lot of what Paul was referring to in regards to prophecy was the context of teaching scripture, the context of proclaiming scripture to one another, not solely, but a lot. And so Bible teaching, teaching scripture, the sermons can be prophetic. I have experienced this. Where you're sitting there listening to a sermon and all of a sudden something said and bam, it was just for you. That's prophetic. That's the Lord speaking through the person teaching. That's the Lord. That's prophetic. That's God speaking. A point that was said, a scripture that was read, a story that was told, and it just so resonates with you. It just, it encourages you. It, it builds you up. It spurs you towards growth. That's God speaking. That's not the person, that's God. That's our prayer. Every time somebody on this stage is teaching scripture, teaching a sermon, it's that, Lord, please, even if it's just one thing, 10 seconds out of the 30 or 45 minute sermon, if it's just 10 seconds of you just speaking to someone, that's what we pray for. Again, a 45-minute message is great, but even if you just get two seconds worth of something from the Lord, it was worth it. It was worth it. And that is prophetic preaching. It's prophecy, scripture. Now, that's in this corporate context. Let's zone it in a little bit more. A second way prophecy can be expressed 
is when God puts a scripture on your heart to share with someone that ends up being exactly what they needed to hear. This may happen on a Sunday or even during the week. It's happened to me so many times where I'm reading scripture and I'm not doing that thing where like I read scripture for other people. Yep, yep, they need to hear that. Oh, yep, that's, mm-hmm. Like, I hope they're hearing that. I hope they're hearing. No, that's when you come to the word and you're just received. But there are times where the Lord will highlight a face on my mind. I'm like, man, I need to share that with so-and-so. I'll send them a text. Hey, I was reading and this, you popped them a mind. Hey, you should go check this out. And a lot of times the response at some point will be, you didn't know this, but I needed that so bad. That's prophetic. That's the Lord speaking. So if the Lord prompts you while you're reading, maybe it's a scripture for your C group, your journey group, a Bible study you're a part of, a person you're grabbing coffee with, somebody here in the building right now even. If the Lord puts a scripture on your heart, that's prophetic. Share it. And you just never know. It might be exactly what they needed to hear. That is prophecy. It's simple. A third way prophecy is expressed is when God gives you a word regarding someone's future. Now, this is probably what most of us think of when we think prophecy. Future. The Lord's coming back, and that's prophecy. It's about the future. And so, you see this, when we just did a study in Acts, Acts 11, 27 through 30, we see this expression of prophecy In verse 27, it says, Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And it's included, by the way, it happened. This took place in the days of Claudius. 29, So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So Agabus receives a prophetic word, a famine is coming. He went and submitted it to the disciples, to leadership, and guess what happened? Famine came. But guess who was prepared? The disciples. They were ready because of the prophetic word given, and everything worked out. It was a prophetic word about the future. This can happen. I have a friend that goes to this church, And someone approached him here at church, actually like right here, I think. And the person said they felt the Lord tell tell them to share with my friend to prepare for a major transition coming soon. And sure enough, a few weeks after that, this friend of mine had a major career change. And it happened not long after that prophetic word. It was comforting for this friend of mine to be like, God already warned me about this. God already told me. To prepare for a major transition. It was prophetic. It can happen. So if you feel it, don't be like, no, I'm an idiot. I'm not going to. No, share it. Share it. You never know what the Lord, no matter how crazy. And who knows, you might end up being the wacky story. That's okay. Because we miss it sometimes. Humility. All right, let's end this sermon quickly. Another way prophecy is expressed is when God gives you insight into situations you had no way of knowing. This is when someone comes and they just share something that seems as if they know. Somehow they've been listening to your thoughts. Somehow they've been listening to the conversations between you and your husband or you and a friend. Somehow, it's like somehow, like how do they know? They don't. It's God. He knows. And he chose that person to speak to you. They are the vessel because he knows. And he's trying to get to you. He's trying to speak to you. I just wrote it down during worship. Sean, when he was leading worship, singing, paused. I know this wasn't planned. He paused for a minute and he said, I feel like the Lord is telling me that something needs to come under the name of Jesus. Remember that? It just happened a few minutes ago. He said, something needs to come under the name of Jesus. And we sang about the name of Jesus. And I wrote down, that's prophetic. 
because I don't know if that resonated with anyone in here. I maybe sensed that it did, but if that resonated, oh yeah, man, this situation's happening in my life. Yes, it needs to come under the name of Jesus. Guess who's talking? Not Sean. God. <laughs> that's him speak. That's prophetic. It's when somebody says something they had no way of knowing and they speak straight to where you are. That's prophetic. You can be used this way. You come to someone, hey man, I just, this, I might be off, but I really sense that you're wrestling with fear or anxiety. And it, oh, how did you know? Oh, prophecy, prophetic. That's God speaking. I could go on and on. I have so many stories like this. I just found a letter in my, in my nightstand of somebody writing me a prophetic word on a letter and it was spot on what I needed in that season of life. I mean, word for word, just what I needed. And I still have it. That's how much it meant to me to keep that. So God can use you to do this. And one very quick last practical way prophecy is expressed is when God burdens your heart towards a specific area to pray for. Prayer is prophetic too. A lot of times when you're praying for someone is when the prophetic may happen, may when it, when it comes to you. And you just begin to pray and all of a sudden, well, I need to pray in the, towards this. And you begin to pray towards that and then you're done. How did you know? There's been times where I'm praying with someone and they start praying into a topic and I'm like, looking around like, how in the world do they know? It's prophetic. That's God. That's God speaking. That's, that is prophetic. That's prophecy. When God speaks through a person, whether it's through scripture shared, whether it's through speaking into something they had no way of knowing, whether it's through prayer, whether it's in worship. It, worship is even prophetic. We were just singing words to a song. Your name is the high. I mean, again, you might have needed that. That's prophetic. That's God speaking. I hope you are tracking with me. It makes sense to me. I'm pumped up about it. And I hope that you are too. Because prophecy isn't solely just 10 years from now, you're going to be walking outside and a, a lightning is going to strike and you need to step to the left and No, I mean, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Who am I to say not? But you might be in a sermon one day, a wacky story. But prophecy isn't just that. And a lot of times we shy away. I'm not prophetic because you don't think you're a future person. Now, God might do that to you. But just as much as that is prophecy is. How you doing? I feel like the Lord burdened you. And put you on my heart. And I feel like we need to grab coffee. And I feel like I'm supposed to encourage you. That's prophetic. Hey, can I pray for you? And you pray. And it's, it's, that is prophetic. And that's why when I say I dream. Pastor Ron dreams of a church operating in the prophetic. It's because we know the power and the beauty and the simplicity of it. Now, you may not be a prophet. But you can be prophetic. Does that make sense? Like you may not be, you may not have like the gift of healing and every time you pray or most of the time the Lord uses you to heal people, but that doesn't mean the Lord can't use you to heal people. So you may not have like, and I will admit, I don't know all about it, but you may not be a prophet, but you can be prophetic. And that's what Paul is speaking to in 1 Corinthians 14. The church will be edified by believers operating in the prophetic. And you can be used by God to speak prophetically to others. And God can use others to prophetically speak to you. Amen? Let's stand together. I went longer than I was supposed to, and I'm very sorry. <laughs> Pastor Ron is going to discipline me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I hope I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So this is kind of part one. Part two next week is going to be different in many aspects, but similar. I really feel like the Lord 
prophetically, maybe, put it on my heart to share into these two topics. So come back next week and hear part two. But I just want to read this and then pray and then we'll worship for like a few seconds and then I'll dismiss. But Nathan Finocchio in his book, he says this about a church operating in the prophetic. He says that the result is a church so spirit encouraging and committed to drawing out the God dreams and destiny in people's lives that hurtful or unbiblical thoughts or attitudes have nowhere to hide and thrive. A church with this type of atmosphere of faith and love and hope can't help but have a strong sense of identity and be knit together by the bond of peace. I mean, you can't say it any better than that. Knit together. And so I would say a lot of times that churches operate, they look like high school, petty, gossip, more gossip, more pettiness, division, rivalry, offense. A lot of times that that may be a primary cultural characteristic of a church is because of the neglect to operate in the prophetic. A church that operates in the moving, being used by God, encouraging one another by the Spirit, sharing scripture, sharing a word they think they're hearing from God. A church that operates like that has no place and no room to operate in the petty division, gossip, offense. So again, our heart is for you to know that God speaks and God speaks through his word. God speaks through the inner voice to your spirit and God speaks through you to others and from others to you. That's how he speaks. And our heart is that this would be present. And as this is present, it just all the more drives out the fruit of the world. That has no place here. So Lord, help us. God, help us to be a people that are led by your spirit. God, our, our aim is not even to be prophetic. Our aim is just you. And as we pursue you, Lord, you speak to us and help us to widen our perspective. Help us to get our eyes off of just our heart and onto the hearts of those in the room, our church family, our spouse, our kids, the people we're in journey group with or C group with or go to the men's retreat with or people we serve with or people we worship next to week after week. Lord, give us a heart that sees those people and Lord, speak to us. Speak to us words and equally